Colossians chapter 1. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to Christians in the first century in an ancient city called Colossae. The claim of Easter, the claim of Easter is that Jesus Christ is king over all. Just as Sarah just described, surrendering to this king, experiencing the life-giving power of this risen king. The claim of Easter is that Jesus is king over all. But let me give you the backstory to that claim. He began his earthly ministry with a simple message saying the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is at hand. Saying, in effect, the king himself is at hand because where there is a kingdom, there is a king. And in the end, that claim got him crucified. We read these passages on Good Friday. Let me just give you a summary. When his opponents brought Jesus to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, Pilate said to Jesus, so, are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king they claim you are? I mean, that's a seditious claim to be king, some rival to the Roman Caesar. We all know that Caesar is Lord. Are you claiming to be king, king of the Jews? And Jesus said, look, my kingdom is not of this world. And needless to say, Pontius Pilate never thought of this wandering rabbi as a real threat to Rome. But Pilate had to keep up appearances. Pilate couldn't appear to be soft on this kind of claim to be king. So he had Jesus flogged. That means he had Jesus whipped with leather straps and embedded in those straps were bits of bone and metal. The flogging would rip the flesh off of your bones and many died from floggings. Jesus survived the flogging and then the Roman soldiers made a game out of his claim to be king. They twisted together a crown of thorns and they, and they wedged that crown into his scalp, a, a crown of pain for some fool claiming to be king. And they found a purple robe, purple being the color for royalty, and they put this purple robe on him and they, they mocked him, Hail, King of the Jews, as they punched him. Finally, bleeding profusely, his body going into shock, Jesus is led out by Pontius Pilate to the crowds and, their, and the religious leaders. And he says, behold, your king. Here's your king. We've got your king for you, the one you brought to me. And they respond with hostility, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate, I, I read in a little bit here, I wonder if he was taken aback as he says, shall I crucify your king? And the religious leaders say, tragically, we have no king but Caesar. So Jesus is crucified with an, inscri an inscription above his head on the cross, which Pilate commands, written in three languages so everyone could read it. And it says, King of the Jews. The religious leaders say, uh, couldn't you add he claimed to be king of the Jews? And Pilate says, look, I've written what I've written. Here is your crucified king. Crucified as a criminal. That's the backstory. The claim of Easter is this crucified Jesus really is king right now. Really is transforming lives like you just heard Sarah testify. The claim of Easter is that Jesus Christ is the crucified and risen king 
who is reigning over everything. I want to ask you, what is your response to that claim? What is your response to that claim? We could respond skeptically, like Pontius Pilate, who thought, this guy is no king, but maybe he's been misunderstood. He's, he's irrelevant at best. He's pathetic at worst. We could just be skeptical. We could respond cynically, more like the religious leaders who were hardened and, and hostile against Jesus. They see Jesus as a threat. You know, the claim to be king is not very tolerant. <laughs> so he must not be tolerated. Perhaps you have a skeptical view. Perhaps you have more of a cynical view. I wonder this Easter if all of us here, all of us would consider a third option. I would call it the view of faith. The perspective, the mindset of faith. Looking at Easter with the eyes of faith through the lens of Colossians chapter 1. For here we see Jesus shown to us as king in two ways. Here's the first. First we find here Jesus is king of all creation. Here's the view of faith from God's word. Jesus is the king of creation. Pick it up in chapter 1 here, in verse 13, for a little bit of context, where we read, He, God, has delivered us, those who believe, from the domain of darkness and transferred us, notice, transferred us to the kingdom, the kingdom of His beloved Son. That's saying God's beloved Son, Jesus, is King. To speak of the kingdom of God's beloved Son is to call that Son King. So, now Jesus is described as king, and then the apostle tells us what kind of king he is, beginning in verse 15. In verse 15 we read, He, this king, is the image, the image of the invisible God. Now God is spirit, so we cannot see him with our eyes, yet this king, we're told, is the visible image of the invisible God. It's kind of like a penny, our pennies, which have on it the them the, the image of Abraham Lincoln. They have a representation of Lincoln stamped on them. In a similar way, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the very likeness of God himself, for he is divine. If you want to see what God looks like, as it were, you look to Jesus Christ. This king is the image of God. Next, we're told, is the firstborn of all creation. And that sounds like Jesus is a created being, not a divine being. But oftentimes, with, with Bible difficulties, you resolve them by just reading on. So just read on to the next verse. Verse 16, 4. By him, by this king, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Now, clearly then, he's not a created being. Catch, catch the prepositions, by, through, and for. It says, by him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth. The whole universe created by this individual, by this king, from the, the atoms on the chair you're sitting on to the, the black hole they recently photographed and was uh, shown in the news. All things created by him. All things in heaven and on earth, all things visible 
and invisible, even spiritual realities, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things created by Him for all things were created through Him. Jesus is, in effect, this King is, in effect, the architect and the contractor of the house. He is the means by which all of this has come into existence, and so it is all for Him as well. It is all by Him, through Him, and for Him, we're told, with the conclusion being, in verse 17, and He is before all things. And notice these words. And in Him... All things hold together. In Christ, in this King, all these things just described, they hold together, they, they cohere. The King of creation sustains His creation. He's sustaining it right now. It's kind of mind-blowing, really. It's saying this King, this Creator King, is right now keeping every electron... <laughs> circling every nucleus in every atom. Without this king, this verse is saying, gravity would stop working. Planets would fly out of their orbit. This verse is saying this king was, was holding together the soldiers' bodies while they tortured him. He kept those soldiers' hearts beating as they whipped him and mocked him and beat him. He's even keeping your heart beating and your lungs taking in breath. In him, all things hold together. This is the view of faith. It sees Jesus as king of all creation. And Easter, Easter backs up that claim. Easter connects with that claim in Colossians chapter 1. After Jesus rose from the dead, he said to his followers, All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Matthew chapter 28. All authority, all, all rightful rule over the entire universe, he says, is mine. Those are the words of a king. A king not like, not like the British king or queen today. Not like the British monarchy. A ceremonial post. All title, no authority. Now he's saying by his resurrection, his reign now as king would be seen and felt in new ways until all is made new. All authority, he says, is mine. Now let's make a little application of this. Let's, let's connect this with our lives, this king of all creation. It means Jesus Christ calls for, doesn't he, our ultimate allegiance. A king demands allegiance, and this king, over all creation, calls for our ultimate allegiance from, from each one of us. And the reality is something or someone is acting as king over our lives. Something or someone holds ultimate allegiance in our hearts. It's whatever or whomever we're ultimately living for. What, what is that for you, friend? What is that for you? Often it can be ourselves. Right? Our ultimate allegiance is, is me. I'm the master of my fate, the captain of my soul, the star of my own movie. 
The rest of you are supporting actors and actresses. Every situation is about me. Or ultimate allegiance can be our money, our possessions. It's very easy to do as 21st century Americans. We easily live most of all for what we can earn and possess and achieve. What's in the bank account, what car we drive becomes our functional king. Or ultimate allegiance of our hearts becomes how we appear or our social status, how many likes we get on Instagram, how many friends we have on Facebook, any number of things. My point is simply that something or someone always holds the ultimate allegiance of our hearts. And, and so much pain and so much confusion comes into our lives when we are serving the wrong king. Remember years ago, a number of years ago, in another place, not here, a young teenage girl came to me with her mom. This young lady looked like she had it all together on the outside, but she had been cutting herself for some time. She had been intentionally cutting herself and would wear long sleeves to cover it up. And we began meeting together. And I didn't know what to say or do except to explore why. Why are you doing this? And she quickly opened up and began to describe how this cutting felt for her like a, a kind of escape, that she felt this pressure of life being all about her. And she wanted to escape this pressure of her life being all about her and the, the teenage angst she was ex uh, just experiencing through that. We began to talk, and she began to quickly realize her life was to be all about Jesus Christ that she was to be living for this king, that ultimate allegiance was to be directed to him, and that was where her greatest joy and true freedom would be found. She began to know the joy of living her life for this king. Friend, your life is about him too. It's to be about him. And you too will find your greatest joy as your ultimate allegiance is directed to this king. You will find your greatest satisfaction. You will find true freedom as he is reigning over your life and heart. But here's what's really good news about Easter. Many things. But here's what's really good news in this regard. This king doesn't just demand your allegiance. He died to create your allegiance. He died for you to birth that allegiance in your heart. You see, secondly, he's not just king of all creation. He is, secondly, king of redemption. Jesus is king of redemption or salvation. Look at verse 18 with me. It goes on, a bit of a shift now. And he, this king, is head of the body, the church, which bodes well for the church, by the way. He is the beginning Notice, the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now, Easter is in those words, firstborn from the dead. That speaks to the reality that Jesus rose from the grave bodily, physically. The tomb on the third day was empty, and it's saying that others who are in Christ will follow him. That's saying that those, if you are in Christ now, those who are in Christ now will rise and be with Christ one day. His resurrection is a, a guarantee that you too shall rise, that you need not fear death. That death will be a gateway to life with Him.
That's what it's saying, firstborn from the dead. They say that a honeybee, a honeybee can only sting you one time. I don't know this to be true. Maybe Marshall can tell me if it's true later or not. A honeybee can sting you only one time because apparently it leaves its stinger in your flesh. It can buzz around after that, but that's all. The stinger is gone. Death is like that for the Christian because this king is firstborn from the dead. Death has no sting remaining for the Christian because that stinger, the sting of death, was left in Jesus Christ. The judgment of God against our sin after death was left in Jesus on the cross. So that now death becomes a gateway to life. Death can, can buzz around you, and we grieve over death, of course, but it has no sting remaining for those who believe. This king is firstborn from the dead. There's Easter, and then we find out why. Then we find out how this has been accomplished. Verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now, we could spend a lot of time there. <laughs> fully God and fully man. That's looking back to the mystery of Christmas. But move on to verse 20. Fully God and fully man, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Notice, making peace by the blood of his cross. I just want to land on that last phrase. Making peace by the blood of his cross. Those are staggering words for a few reasons. One is certainly this word blood. It's speaking of this king's violent, sacrificial death. I had someone say to me recently, this whole thing with Christianity, it's rather gory and gross. You've got a, a, nails being pierced through Jesus' hands and feet. It's gory and it's gross. I said, that's exactly right. It's about this king's violent, sacrificial death on a cross. Now realize that's a word you would not have uttered in polite company in the first century, cross. Because that was an instrument of execution. A cross wasn't a piece of jewelry to wear. A cross was an instrument of torture until you died. There's a New York Times op-ed piece, I think still online, about an interview with Malcolm Muggeridge, who was a, a British journalist who converted to Christianity later in life. In this interview with Malcolm Muggeridge, he, he told a parable. He said, imagine the Apostle Paul after his Damascus Road conversion, after he went from persecutor of Christians to great Christian missionary. Imagine the Apostle Paul after his Damascus Road conversion. Imagine he went to a, a public relations expert and he said, I've got this, this mission I want to spread this gospel. I want to spread this message. And the PR expert said to the Apostle Paul, that's great, but you need a symbol. We might say today, you need a logo. You know, you need good branding. The Nike swoosh or something. You need, you need a symbol, the PR guy would say. And the Apostle Paul would say, I've got a symbol. It's a cross. And Muggeridge said the PR expert would laugh at him, saying that is preposterous. The point of the parable is to see the revulsion of this word, cross. 
And yet Easter claims that by this cross, this king made peace. He made peace. Did you catch this in the passages that were read to us earlier in our service? After Jesus was crucified, the disciples are huddled in fear, and Jesus stands among them and says what? Peace. Peace be with you. Then he showed them his hands and his side where he had been wounded. And he said again, peace, peace be with you. If we'd read on, we'd see him appear again eight days later to the disciples and one doubting Thomas. And said the very same thing, peace, peace be with you. Three times, do you think Jesus was making a point? He's trying to get across something, isn't he? What this king died on a cross to accomplish was this peace, a a comprehensive restoration of all things, a comprehensive restoration of everything that is wrong in the world, everything that is out of whack, everything that is wrong and against God's will, all of that is being restored. That's the peace in view, which includes those who believe. You'll experience this peace. Think about it, friends. What what kind of king does this? What kind of king responds to the rebellion of his subjects by giving himself? What kind of king responds to our rebellion by saying, I will take their place in judgment. I will give my life that they may live. What kind of king does this? Only this risen king of redemption. He comes to bring peace. And there's no other way to find peace with God. There's no other way. No amount of New Year's resolutions no amount of well-intentioned willpower. You know, I will make a change this time. We'll bring this peace. No amount of wallowing in our shame and our guilt. No amount of hiding our sin will bring this peace. There's only one way. It's receiving the peace he made by the blood of his cross. Friends, that's the view of faith, isn't it? That's a look at this risen king through the lens of Colossians 1. He is, he is king of all creation, king of all creation, sustaining everything in the universe who has come to be our risen king of redemption, living, dying, and rising to make peace by the blood of his cross. So I just want to ask you again, what is your response to this claim? What is your response? If you've been skeptical, thinking Jesus was, eh, maybe misunderstood, clearly somewhat pathetic, the empty tomb here is demanding you deal with your skepticism about this king. Maybe you've been cynical, more hostile against Jesus. Listen, this king is not... He's not come the first time to make warfare against you. He's come the first time to make peace with you. Whatever the situation, whatever your situation right now, at a minimum I'd say, 
Be open to exploring the claims of this king. Be open to exploring further. That's why we're having this Life Explored course, that you can explore further over a seven-week process how meaning and purpose are found in Jesus Christ. Let us know if you're interested. A great context to explore further. For others, you might be here and you want to respond with faith right now. You're realizing this moment. You're realizing right now who this king really is we celebrate. The response is indeed surrendering to him, offering up your ultimate allegiance to this king, trusting in his life, death, and resurrection to bring you to God, and he will. Friend, there's no need to wait. He's come to make peace with you by the blood of his cross. That peace is held out right now. For others here, you have believed this. I know many here have. Others here, you have believed this recently or maybe a long time ago. You've experienced the transformation Sarah described. What would I say to you? I would say, behold your king this morning. Behold your risen king. Behold the glory and greatness of the risen king, Jesus Christ. Take this in. By him, through him, and for him, all things were created. And he is sustaining your life right now. And that king was born of a virgin lived a perfect life, died on a shameful cross for your sins and mine, and then rose to invite you to himself for he made peace with you by the blood of his cross. Would you realize with me again this Easter that in giving him your highest allegiance, you have found your greatest joy. That directing your heart and mind to Him, your allegiance to Him, you have found your greatest satisfaction, your greatest purpose in life, and true freedom in knowing and living for Him right now. Make this Easter, friends, make this Easter a time of rejoicing in and declaring your allegiance once again in this risen King. Live, live each day, beginning today, receiving a peace you cannot achieve because it's already been achieved for you. Receiving a peace made for you through the blood of his cross, knowing that death has no sting for you any longer. And one day you too shall rise. You might be grieving the loss of a loved one. You might be going through great health challenges. But one day, friend, you too shall rise because he is risen. Death has no more sting for you. Because the king of all creation, the king of the universe, is now your king of redemption. He is alive, and he will bring you to himself. Let's pray to that end. And if you want to just take a moment in your hearts to respond to him. Sustaining your every heartbeat. Come to be your king of salvation. Come to make peace by the blood of his cross. Respond to him even now. Might be that you've lost sight of his glory. 
might be that you've in your heart been declaring independence and need to see again he is king and we are not it might be that you've been trying to achieve a certain peace on your own and what you can do or have failed to do and you're reminded to just receive the peace that's been achieved it might be that you need to trust him for the first time, surrendering, hoping, relying on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, we do. We come to you. We thank you. Thank you that you are king of creation and king of redemption, king of the universe and king of our own lives sustaining all things and yet dying on a cross. Giving yourself for the rebels that you might make peace by the blood of your cross. We thank you for this. We praise you that you are alive. We now respond with song. We now respond with the prayer of our hearts to ascribe allegiance to you and say, we crown you, we crown you our king with many crowns, for you alone are worthy. We thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand together, friends.